Well, good morning again, and uh, welcome again to Mariners. <coughs> Feliz Dia del Padre. How about that, huh? Happy Father's Day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Happy Father's Day to all of you. Um, I'm so glad you guys chose to come here for, for Father's Day. It's time to do a little bit of Father's Day honoring um, today. We're going to spend a few minutes looking at that. Now, um, um, for some of you that still need to do your Father's Day shopping, I have actually um, some do's and don'ts for you on what guys like and what guys really don't like. And, and so, so here you go, in, in case you have to take notes. First is don't. Don't get men this. Don't get meggings, okay? Just, they just, they don't, they don't work for us. We just kind of don't get into that. And also, I've checked, they don't have my size. So, um, no, we don't want that. Not a rompfin either. We don't want, we don't like... Romp, rompfins. I know it's a fashion trend, and I know the guy on the right is trying to look macho and cool, but they, they really honestly don't work. What you want to do, and this is cool stuff for guys, um, go ahead. We, we, want, we want man crates. We just want man crates. Have you ever heard of man crates? Man crates are awesome gifts for men. It says it right there on, on, on the thing. And they are actually filled with all kinds of stuff. Um, they have actually tool crates, and they have barbecue crates. But here's the one I think you should get your guys. It's called the caveman crate right there. <clears throat> It's in a sealed wooden crate, laser-etched crowbar. I mean, how cool is that, okay? Laser-etched crowbar, no bow, no ribbons, no fluff, and absolutely no instructions. <laughs> the reason there's no instructions is why? Guys don't read them anyway, yeah. But also it's food. I mean, how much instructions do you need for food? And guys don't do that. So anyway, this is a caveman crate. Now, I love what's inside here, by the way. There is, is prehistoric meat. There's buffalo jerky. There is beef jerky. There is turkey jerky. There is venison jerky. I mean, guys, come on. How cool is that? And then there's paleolithic nuts like butter, toffee, almonds, and chili citrus cashews. Those are all really cool. Now, if you're smart enough, what you'll do is to get your guy is this for the day after Father's Day. There you go. After all that kind of stuff. (laughs) Terrible. Hey, um, um, it is Father's Day, and we can laugh about some of the things that uh, guys like and, and don't like. We understand at, at Mariners that uh, Father's Day actually can be a tough time for uh, some guys. Uh, reasons are all over the map on this one. Uh, some guys, and, and boy, I know Mark and Joe, uh, they lost their dad um, recently, and, and so they're up on Sharon stage. And so bittersweet kind of time where this is the first year they will not be buying their father, uh, a Father's Day card. And how odd does that, does that seem? And some of you that are, that are here, maybe the, the, the dad thing just, whoops, didn't happen. You know, it just never really happened for you. And so, you know, you, you, you kind of understand it, but you kind of don't. And, and so this one's kind of tough as, as well. And so we certainly understand um, what you are going through and, and certainly want to sympathize and empathize with you. Um, however, it is a time where we can say, um, to God, God, thank you for those men that you have placed in our lives that are important to us, whether it is a dad or whether it's been an uncle or a, a good friend in our lives or, or even our, our sons that are growing up to be men. And so what we would like to do is we would like to have every male in this church, or sitting right here, stand up. Would you guys stand up, please? If you're male, please go ahead and just stand up. And I'd like, ladies, if you just give them guys a hand, okay, for that. Thank you. Uh, yeah. And, and, and guys, if you go to remain standing, I'm just going to pray for you. And, and if it's your husband or your son that's standing next to you, just go ahead and hold their hand, grab their hand, or put your hand around them or whatever else. So if you would do that. So, Father, thank you for the special guys in our life. And thank you um, 
Thank you for the way that they shape us and help us to know what we can do to build them in their faith and in their life. May this day be special for them. May every day be special in you for them. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, let's give me a hand again. Guys, thank you. Thank you so much. And if you were standing, if you're a guy standing, we have a special gift for you. It's rock candy. It says, Dad, you rock. So there it is. So rock candy to go out. So, yeah. And, of course, if you're a dad, you get one, you're going to promptly do what? Give it to your kid. So, anyway, you never get anything. Anyway, give it to you. Anyway. That's the way it goes in our, in our lives. Hey, today we finish up our series that we are calling The Games People Play. Um, we finished because we can't think of any more games. We're kind of done, done with games, and it's time to actually move on, but we're going to have one more. <clears throat> we have a lot of games in our closets, as we have been talking about, <clears throat> and the titles actually correspond to life issues that we experience when we go through. For instance, there's outburst, because sometimes we say things we shouldn't say. You know, our mouths are kind of bursting out with stuff, and, and we learned about what God says about those kinds of things, and then there's also the game Trivial Pursuit. I just thought it's a Cute name because a lot of times in life we pursue that which is so incredibly trivial. And then last week we talked about pie face, you know, and that's when we get hit with stuff, just stuff that comes out of us out of nowhere. Well, this morning we're going to spend a few minutes talking about the game called Risk. Now, familiar with that game, Risk, the game of Risk? Mm -hmm. Risk is a cool game. Any of you ever played it, by the way? Have you played it? Yeah, just a few. Okay. Well, Risk is a strategy game, and it's a game of world domination, and it is a game that takes about three years to play because it never ends. In fact, once again, I've never known anyone that's finished a, a Risk game. And what it is is you roll or you spin, and you get these little armies, and you build your little armies in different little parts of the country. You have a big map on the board, and, and you put your armies here, and you put your armies there, and, 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 and you begin to then um, take chances and try and take over and, and conquer other, other countries. And so it's, it's kind of quite a guy game, you know, because guys like to do that kind of stuff. And, and, and in order... To the name really is the strategy of the game. You have to take risk. You have to take risks of where you want to put your armies, and you have to take risks if you want to go into battle, and you have to take risks if you want to win this whole deal. And you have to, in a sense, take a chance, and you have to do it, and you have to go for it, and you can't just sit there and do nothing, because if you sit there and do nothing, you get beat, and you get beat really quick. And I began to think that that's a little bit like our lives, you know, I'm not sure God calls us to just sit here and and watch life happen. I think there are times when it's right for us to take certain risks and for us to say, you know, I have to take a chance on this so life just simply does not blow by me. I guess you can sit there and watch life happen or you can make things happen, and in order to do that, you have to go for certain things. I told you we've done a, we did a survey uh, several years ago, and we asked people that had been believers in Christ for a number of years, those that were brand new believers in Christ, and those that had not yet quite made the decision to follow Jesus with their life. And I said, if you could ask God any question, any question in the world you want, any question, when you get to stand before God, the one question, what would you ask God? The question always came up was, what is my purpose in life? I mean, why did you even put me here? Why? Why, why am I here? There's got to be more to life than maybe what I think life is, is all about. We have gone through a number of graduations. This is, you know, graduation Sunday here. And, and if your child has graduated, you know, you, you sat through the graduation speeches, you know, gladly and just waiting for that one name to be called, which is the whole purpose that you're, you're, you're there. Um, I have been through enough uh, of my own graduations, my brothers, my sisters, my kids, 
holy cow, nieces and nephews, when you add them all up, that's a lot of graduations and a, a lot of names, and it's a lot of speeches. You know, a lot of people making speeches about the graduating class of 2017 or the graduating class of 1975, you know, yay, my alma mater, those kinds of things. And, and the graduation speeches pretty much all fall into kind of the same category, don't they? Okay, class of 2017, go out there. You know, go out there and change the what? Change the world. You can do it. You have the power. You have the ability. You have the potential. You can do tremendous, tremendous things. One of the best graduation speeches I ever heard was was my son's college grad graduation. And the guy was an accomplished, noted author. And he had had some kind of notoriety in, in, in Christian circles. And he said this. He said, let's be realistic. Most of us... In fact, pretty much all of us are not going to change the world. We're not. We're not going to write books. We're not going to make great speeches. Our names will probably not be in Wikipedia. You know, it's just probably not going to happen for most of us. Most of us are going to go out and we're going to get jobs and we're going to have families and we're going to live in our own little neighborhoods. And so he said, instead of changing the world, work on changing your world, your world. And I like that comment. Your world. Because I may never, you know, be a millionaire. I may never, ever make news, you know, ever. But what God has called me to do is change my world, mine. And in order to do that, I really believe that there are certain risks I have to take because my world never changes unless I take some steps in faith in God to say, okay, this is what I think God is calling me to do. And whether I change the whole world or not or change a bazillion lives or not or whether I only change one life or whether I only live one life, I want to change my world for this. And you and I, and I guess I would say this, whether you're a, a father and saying the only thing I'm changing is my, you know, mo- the oil in my lawnmower, you're going to, through doing the things that God is asking you to do, make difference in the world. And I guess I would like to say I hope that you come out of this saying I want my world to be different because God worked through me, through me in this. Here are some areas you, that you can risk in, in your life. And, and they may not all apply to all of you. Some might. But I think these are the things that help people begin to take notice of the difference that you can make in changing your world. Because God's in charge of, of our world. We can actually take these risks. We can. And the first one is this. I can risk giving away my stuff. I can risk giving like other people don't, don't give. And you're thinking, oh, great, he's going to talk about money. You know, why do you have to go there first? Because Jesus spent a lot of time talking about it because money's a big issue for a lot of us, a lot of people. It's a big trap. It's a big thing that trips us all up. Money's this weird thing, and it is far and away the thing that we battle with most for security in life, honestly. Yesterday, I'm getting ready to come here. You know, we have a Saturday night service, so I'm getting ready to come here. And so I went out and I got the mail, you know. And I, and I go out and I get the mail, you know, and you're, you're going through it. And there, and, and, and then there's a place, you know, I got shoulder issues going on. I had MRIs done, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you know, that whole thing, if you've ever been through that. Well, I opened up the bill, and it says insurance declined. And here is the total for the whole thing. And I'm thinking, holy cow, you know. 
Did it affect my afternoon? Absolutely it affected my afternoon. And I'm even carrying it into, into the evening service, you know, going to Mark. Mark and I pray before this thing, and I'm saying, Mark, struggling with some stuff here now. Because we are insecure sometimes about God's ability to take our lives and to really help us through these kinds of things. Jesus said this, and I, and I, and I love it. He said, don't store up treasures here, here on earth where they can be eaten by moths and get rusty and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where they'll never become moth-eaten or rusty and where they will be safe from thieves. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart and your thoughts will also be. And I can tell you where my heart and my thoughts were um, last night, you know. And then Jesus says this, No one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. He's saying, I can't. You just can't. Paul, you can't do that. They're in conflict with each other, God and, and, and money. Um, one of the cool things I, I love about Mariner's Church is, is we practice giving in, in, in big ways. Not only individually do you guys give a ton and, and you've given a lot to the whole new wave uh, campaign we have for building, but um, um, 10% of what we give goes away to other ministries or to other people or people in the community that have needs or people around the world that are struggling. And this came out of the point when we were really struggling and really worried as a church family on how we're going to make budget. And the solution was not how we let's really press on the people to get them to give more. Why don't we as a church family practice giving more? And once we did that, what happened to all our money worries? The worries went away. The issue was still there. The numbers were still down. But the worries went away. Because what we were saying is, this isn't that important to us, and we can now trust God for this part, this part of our of our lives. We have some incredibly faithful people here in giving, and and it's all God's money, um, and um, we look forward to seeing that we can risk this whole thing of giving. And so, as you consider that of changing your world. Your world changes when you have a different attitude on giving. And so I'm looking forward to what happens as we grow in that area. And I'm praying for that. I'm also praying that Steph Curry would move into town and come to the church and tithe. I'm praying for all those kinds of things. (laughs) Number two, I can risk serving. Jesus said, if you want to be great, here's how you serve. Cool story, um, Jesus washed feet. And, and, and you may remember that story. This is right before his crucifixion where Jesus took a, a, a basin of water and he put a towel around his waist and he washed the disciples' feet. And, and we get a very kind of a warm feel of that, you know, how, you know, how cool and how quaint. And we think that was really a, a sweet thing. And, and actually there are churches where they do foot washing ceremonies. They, they, they really do. I mean, they, they have actually foot washing um, ceremonies um, in, their, in their church. And, and, and it's great. They, they announce it a couple weeks beforehand and... And, and, and you could imagine if we were to have a foot washing ceremony here and we were to announce it, every woman in this church a week before would get a what? A pedicure. You get a pedicure. Absolutely. You want those feet to look nice, you know, if feet can look nice, you know. And, and, and every guy makes sure that they have socks that don't have holes in them. I mean, it's kind of the way it all works itself out. And so in a sense, we do the very thing opposite of what foot washing is all about. But taking the form of a servant and washing as Jesus did not, not um, pedicured, 
pedicured feet. Um, he washed dirty, smelly feet unexpectedly. That's what servanthood is all about. It's not when somebody's prepared for it or ready for it. It's doing things unexpectedly to people in your lives to take the form of, of, of a servant. You be great, you become a servant. And, and when you move into servant status, man, the reason we don't like to do that all the time is because, well, we sometimes think that we lose status in other people's lives, in the world's eyes. You risk that in the world's lives. But in God's eyes, you become great. Jesus said, but among you, those who are the greatest should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Another way you can make a difference in your world is you can tell others about your faith. And that can be a risk. That honestly is a complete risk. Um, I'm not quite sure why, but I've experienced it. You know, should I talk about my faith in this particular situation or not? And the answer oftentimes is not. You know why? I don't know. Faith in Christ can be a weird thing. And, you know, people can be into paintball or they can be into those fidget spinners, you know, that spin around. Or they can be into scrapbooking or, or they can be big into all kinds of different hobbies, but you get into Christ and, and it becomes a risk. You know, when you think about the whole game of risk, the point of risk is increasing the territory of your army, you know, and Jesus said this, and listen to the thing and get the whole idea of increase. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you'll receive power and will tell people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and, and to the ends of the earth. Expand the territory, please, because that's how people come to Christ one by one. Farshad, would you stand, please? Would you, please? Farshad is going to be baptized um, a little bit later today, and he came to Christ just a few weeks ago. He came to Christ a few weeks ago because somebody said, open their home to him and said, you need to hear about Jesus Christ. Go ahead and have a seat. A few years back, I, uh, I, I bought one of those little fish for the back of my car. You've seen those little Christian fish, you know, those things. When you see a little fish on, on, on a car, it's kind of shaped like this little deal. Um, the, the, it means that the car is Christian. No, it means the people that are driving the car are probably Christian. I want to put one on my car. So I got it. And, and, and as, I was, as I was getting ready to put it on my car, I think it's, it's, it's an okay thing to do unless you drive the freeway too fast and you don't want those things on there. But as I was getting ready to put it on, I read the instructions, and the instructions said, this is permanent. Once you put it on, it doesn't come off. And I thought, oh, do I want to put that on my car? And I thought, wait a second. My faith is what? My faith is permanent. It's never going to come off. Number four, I can risk living this life out. This would be in all the areas that God calls you to, areas like forgiveness and what you say and we talked about the money and giving away your life and not, not, not playing pretend. Because God is in control of your life. You can risk living this kind of stuff out. You can forgive people and give up your right to hurt back because God's in control. Understand obedience can sometimes be a, a huge risk because sometimes it goes against our human nature. You know, our human nature is, as Fashad said, is arrogant. Humility goes against. Jesus said this, whoever finds their life will lose it. Great words. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Last one is I can risk daring to think bigger about what he can do through me because God is in control of this whole deal, of your whole life. 
There's a great story. Moses and the Israelites are, are moving through the desert. They're moving through. This is in the time of the Exodus, and they're kind of moving through the whole desert area. And they're getting close to Israel. And God is going to now establish them as a power house people in the land. And so God says this, Set out now and cross the Arnon Gorge. See, I've given into your hand Sihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his country. Begin to take possession of it and engage him in battle. What I want you to go is I want you to go up there and I want you to I want you to roll the dice. I want you to engage this guy in battle. And it's a huge moment for Israel again to establish them as as a powerful force. And God said, victory is assured. Go for it. You know, go attack them. Basically, God's saying, I want you to go pick a fight. Pick a fight with these guys. Now keep that in mind. This is what it says in Deuteronomy, it says, Then from the wilderness of Kedemoth, this is Moses, I sent ambassadors to King Sihon of Heshbon with this proposal of what? Of peace. God said, I want you to pick a fight with him. And he's saying, oh, I'm going to go up and, 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 and do peace because I'm scared. I'm scared that if I get into this fight, I might lose. God wants to establish them as a people of presence and a people of power. And they're now into survival mode. So they said, can we just simply kind of move through your country? Can we just simply not take any water, not eat any, you know, any of the food that's around? We just kind of want to work our way through the territory. Um, we just want to survive this. And God says, I'm not going to let you just survive this. I want to let you live this thing. It gets good, as the story goes on, it says, but Sion, king of Heshbon, refused to let us pass through. He said, no. For the Lord your God has made his spirit stubborn and his heart obstinate in order to give him into your hands as he has now done. The Lord said to me, see, I have begun to deliver Sihon and his country over you. Now begin to conquer and possess his land. They had to go through and they had to fight their way through. And they had to win. And what it's really trying to say is we kind of want to sometimes in life say, God, just let me cruise. Put this thing on cruise control and let me just kind of buzz right through this life. And God says, I'm not going to make it like that for you. I'm going to make things a little bit more difficult because I'm going to put you in circumstances and situations where there's going to be obstacles to change you and there's going to be people to mold you and there's going to be others that you can then begin to influence and make a difference in their life because I want to establish you as a person who can change your world. God called them now to a place where they had to have faith and trust in big things. And we had students stand up here, and, and I know them. You know, I know them. I've watched a lot of them grow up because I take a, I take a real active interest in the kids that are coming in our church family. And I have seen some of the hardships they have gone through. And I know they would rather them have them not even happen at all. But God said, I'm not going to let it be easy for you, not because I don't like you. It's because I love you, but I want you to be challenged in a way that you'll be strong because I have asked you to come in and make a difference, not in the world necessarily, but where? In your world. And that's what God would want for you and for me, for us to be strong to change our world. That's what he would want. And God may be reorganizing your world to put you in a position to be and do some incredible things. One of my favorite stories by Erwin McManus, it's, it's about him and his kid, and I've told it before, but it fits back here on this one, and, and it's kind of enjoyable. One summer, his, his son Aaron went to a youth camp, and he, this is what he writes. 
He says, Aaron was just a little guy, and I was kind of glad because it was a church camp. I figured he wasn't going to hear all those ghost stories. You know, ghost stories you hear at regular camp. Because ghost stories have really, can really cause a kid to have nightmares. But unfortunately, since it was a Christian camp, and they didn't tell ghost stories because they don't believe in ghosts, they told demon and Satan stories instead. <laughs> and so when Aaron got home, he was terrified. and just freaked out in a whole different way. Dad, don't turn off the light, he said before going to bed. No, Daddy, could you stay in here with me, Daddy? I'm afraid. They told these stories about demons. McManus says this. I wanted to say to him, they're not real. And he goes, Daddy, Daddy, would you pray for me that I would be safe? McManus writes this, and I, and I, and I love this. He says, I could feel it. I could feel warm blanket Christianity beginning to wrap around him a life of safety, safety, safety. I said, Aaron, I will not pray for you to be safe. I will pray that God will make you dangerous. So dangerous that demons will flee when you enter the room. Isn't that cool? Dangerous. Dangerous. So that when we walk into a room, we know exactly what we're about. When we face a circumstance, we know that God is in control. When we walk into a room... We have an influence and change our world. Aaron, the little boy, says, all right, Daddy, but pray I'd be really, really dangerous. <laughs> and, and I guess um, I would like us to be as a church in a place where we stop asking God to give us a safe life, maybe a little bit more dangerous life, you know. Make me dangerous in this. Are you ready to say, I, I, I will risk? Worship team, I'm going to ask you guys to come on up, and, and I'm going to just share a great verse, because this is one for us, and this is one for the class of 2017 and the people of 2017 and, and even beyond. This is what it says. Great verse. It says, Now glory be to God by his mighty power at work within us. He's able to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever dare to ask or hope. Isn't that cool? Ever dare to ask or hope. Would you pray with me? Father, God, help us never to settle for safe lives, for safe um, Christianity. Help us not to settle for the way other people do things, holding grudges, being unforgiving, gossiping, hoarding, keeping our stuff not being generous. God, help us not to be any of that. Help us not to keep quiet about this Jesus that have touched our lives so deeply. Help us to be ready and able to share. And Father, I, I, I guess I'm praying that as we change our own little worlds, we would begin to change the world. Thank you. Thank you, God, so much. We love you in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, thanks, you guys, for being part of, of this morning. Um, I do invite you to go grab some coffee and come back in, I don't know, about an hour and a half or so, and we're going to be <clears throat> baptizing this uh, good-looking young man right here, and uh, he's going to be saying, this is who I want to follow. I want to follow the path called Jesus. Would you stand with me, please? We're going to finish with, again, one of my favorite songs. This one rocks. I love it. So sing this one out loud and feel it.